All right, happy Monday, everyone, or an unhappy Monday if you're a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are cooked. We're talking about that on the show today. Houdini and Chuck with you. This is the chatter. Our guest today gave us a very interesting conversation. It's Mark Doner. He's a singer, a songwriter, a YouTuber, an actor, does a little bit of everything, and has uh, actually made it pretty large out in Hollywood, a fellow Ohio University Bobcat. We get into a conversation with him in just a bit, and also on and off the train. What's going on, Houdini? How are we doing today? Oh, we're doing terrible. We're doing absolutely terrible. Uh, Bearcats, trash. Uh, Reds are dead and the Bengals uh, season is over and it's October 1st. So it, it's not going great over here, but we'll, we'll try to push through. That's why we need to go down. We need to get on some committee that fixes up U.S. Bank Arena and make a petition to bring an NBA team to Cincinnati. We need more volume. You know, they brought an FC Cincy. They look good. Uh, bring an NBA team to town. I promise you, with the Bearcats, with Xavier fans, with Kentucky Wildcats fans, with Louisville Cardinals fans, with Dayton Flyers fans, it would work out. I truly believe that. Unfortunately, that arena downtown is a massive piece of bull junk, and uh, they'd have to do something about that. Um, but, yeah, that, that's kind of my stance from all this. I don't even want to talk about the NFL. Just bring an NBA team to Cincy. What a what a 180. We were AFC Championship, Super Bowl just the last couple of years, and now we legitimately look like the worst team in NFL. So it's um, it's tough. I'll tell you one thing we're good at, uh, consistently being heartbroken. That's that's a, a trait that Bengals fans at this point are used to. And if we're going to toss the blame on someone, I see a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, it's Joe Burrow. I see a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, it's, uh, it's Zach. Zach Taylor at this point is – He's, he's getting exposed for not having good offensive schemes, and Burroughs carried him the last few years. I blame the mayor. It's Aftab Puravol's fault. And really, ever since Aftab came out and said, Burrowhead Stadium, it's never been the same. So at this point, I blame the mayor of Cincinnati. He put a hex on this team, and um, something needs to change quickly because the Bengals are 1-3 after falling 27-3 against the Tennessee Titans. I may have even missed a point. Was it 27 or 28-3? Does it really matter? 27. 27-3. Okay, so accuracy does matter on the Chatter podcast. But T. Higgins suffers a rib fracture in the game. Uh, Joe Burrow literally looks like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, and that is not hyperbole. He looks terrible. I guess the only good news, Houdini, is someday we're all going to die. And um, we're not going to have to witness Bengals losses on Sunday anymore. But the question becomes, what comes first, a ring or the coffin? Where do we start with this game? Is it A.J. McCarron time? Do we shut down Joe Burrow and get him healthy? Um, I I was thinking this is survive in advance. You just survive in advance week to week. They did it last week against the Rams. They do not survive. They do not advance. They're one and three and in a really tough spot. Where do we start? Joe Burrow, you were not exaggerating. He is he's the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. I've I've watched like even the, the rookie they threw out there for the Raiders that I've never heard of in my entire life looked 10 times better than Joe Burrow. If we would have started Jake Browning, we'd be in a better spot so far. We just got shellacked by Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. Like we were playing a juggernaut. We didn't it, – it's – every time we get the ball, it's like a three and out quickly. Burrow just does not have it. And if he's injured, I don't see – you know, I was hoping they were going to put Browning in for the last couple drives just to, I don't know, do something different because Burrow 
I guess it's the calf injury. It has to be. Otherwise, we owe you know him about a billion dollars. Hopefully, he didn't just forget to play football. I don't know if this is like a like Mike situation where somebody stole his lucky shoes, um, but it's it's wild to watch. And my thing is, if they're going through practice, the coaches should be aware that Joe Burrow can't get it done, and we should have put somebody else in the game because he looks completely lost. He's got he can't move out of the pocket. He looks like he aged a hundred years over the last season. Like he looks like he's seventy five years old back there. Um, and it's not all his fault. Zach Taylor's scheme sucks ass. You know, if we keep the offensive on this line path, sucks, offensive line is terrible. I don't know why. Again, it seems Orlando Brown. Or do we just get linemen and they immediately suck the second they come to Cincinnati? Here, here's what it is, Houdini. Here's my comparison. Cincinnati, the Bearcats, whenever they bring in recruits and, you know, the, the Larry Davises of the world or the Alvin Mitchells or the, you know, uh, uh, Trevor Moore, they always say this guy could shoot. Mick Cronin used to step up to his pressers and say, this is the best shooter the Bearcats have had since Field Williams. And they come to UC and they always suck at shooting, especially free throws. I think it's something like that. It's a culture. It's an offensive line culture. Or we could just point to the offensive lineman coach. Uh, that could be part of it. But it's um, it's more of the same. They, they keep paying these offensive linemen. It's We're one lineman away from being a, a Super Bowl contending team again. They bring in more offensive linemen. It just it, it seems like it sucks worse every year. Like Lyle Collins, just I'm going to be Joe Burrow's bodyguard. You were you terrible. We cut him. He was supposed to be like the savior of the city, and he he got cut. And then Orlando Brown Jr., I mean, I don't know what the advanced analytics say, but I, every time I watched it, it looked like he was just getting blown off the ball every single time. His guy was always all over Burrow every time. And I, there's not a lot of silver lining. Like, I wish I could say that there was something that gave me hope at all, and it, it, there's nothing. It's all dread. The defense sucks too now. I don't know what's happening. I, I feel like I'm in a dream, a nightmare, excuse me, and it, it's sick. Uh, the only silver lining would be that the Arizona Cardinals are the team the Bengals face next weekend, and the Cardinals are, are very average with running out Joshua Dobbs as their quarterback, and then it's the Seattle Seahawks after that, no juggernaut. So maybe if you can go 2-0, and get back to the even eight ball, you're 3-3, three and three. They're going to get shellacked by San Francisco, by the Niners. I mean, that's going to be a disgusting game. But it has nothing to do with the record right now. I mean, we've seen time and time again, AK, the last two years, that uh, the Bengals can start off slow. They can figure it out and get better. But it has to do with Joe Burrow right now. He's clearly not healthy. Like you said, 20 of 30 for 165 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And quite frankly, it's October 1st, and we are just witnessing Terrible football. Like, give me something competitive. They lose in Tennessee 27-24, so be it. But not a touchdown on the board after the Bearcats don't put a touchdown on the board against Oklahoma. I mean, this is life as a Cincinnati sports fan. I don't know why I do it. Some people said, you know, Chuck, why did you convert to a part-time San Francisco 49ers fan? And why did you hop on the Golden State Warriors train? And when you work down in Alabama, why'd you hop on the Tide train for a few months? It's because I can't stand this shit. It's nonstop, Houdini. We do not get good things. And I don't know why, because we're good people. We really are. Today in Cincinnati, it was a beautiful, sunny Sunday, a perfect Sunday to get a little bit too drunk and ruin your entire week. And the Bengals just won't let me do it. They won't let me do it. They crushed my dreams. The second the game started, we were already – it was over. It was like, okay, we, we suck ass. Derrick Henry, 
the announcer would at least in my opinion, was a little bit too horny for Derrick Henry. He would not. He's like, oh, Derrick, Derrick Henry. He, he's six oh, for seven Henry, in the red baby. Yeah. Like, shut up, dude. But it's, I don't know. It just kills the vibes. It's, um, it just kills Sundays, man. Like, they're no fun anymore. I'm, I'm not having fun here. Okay. It's all your fault, Aftab. Remember that. It's the mayor's fault. Ever since he said Burrowhead, um, calf injuries, T. Higgins goes out with a fractured rib. I guess the only saving grace could be A.J. McCarron. I know he's on the practice squad, but the last time he came in, he actually almost led the Bengals to their first playoff win um, in a very long time until Jeremy Hill fumbled. So that's where the Bengals stand. They are 1-3 and three on the season. Definitely down. Not out yet. They just need to take down the Arizona Cardinals. I hate doing this out of the gate because we have a great show on tap for you today, but we, we do have to mention... All that's going on around the NFL. We have to play the hits. And unfortunately, the biggest hit right now comes out of Kansas City, Cincinnati's arch nemesis. Let's just the wound that you have right now, the wound that you're dealing with from this Cincinnati Bengals loss. Let's throw some sea salt in there because Taylor Swift is now a massive Chiefs fan, rumorly dating Travis Kelsey, former Cincinnati Bearcat, shouts cats. Uh, my wife, Kylan, says it's a publicity stunt, but I say it's gone too far. I'm sick of it. Look, I'm a Swifty. I, I love the music. I don't know when she got so damn big. I mean, when she was singing, he's the reason for the teardrops on my guitar. Like, she was big, but she was not an international sensation. Every time she steps out of a restaurant, there's 9,000 people screaming, waiting there to take a picture with her. I, I guess we'll start with that. Like, when did Taylor Swift get so damn big? I feel like Taylor Swift's been pretty. I, once you start having a group like the your fans are called something, Swifties, uh, Beyonce's the Beehive, I believe. Um, once that happens, I think the the snowball effect it just keeps rolling and growing and growing, and people put you know hashtag Swifties in their profile. They're addicted to everything they do. I think she's been pretty big for a while. I mean, I I'm pretty sure she's had to have made a billion dollars on this tour that she's doing. And now, and I thought that was kind of the peak of it. And now with this Travis Kelsey thing and the viral where the, the girlfriend goes, hey, Travis, uh, Taylor Swift really put Travis Kelsey on the map. And then the boyfriends get pissed off and like flip their table over. But well, I'm in for a good conspiracy theory. You know me. Every once in a while, I'll get deep into the weeds. And Kylan brought it up. And, and I kind of agree. I think it's a publicity stunt. I mean, Kelsey gains 850,000 Instagram followers since this stunt. Um, or since he started dating Taylor, known to the world at least. And then the uh, second most Instagram followers in the NFL was his brother, Jason Kelsey, an offensive lineman who racked up 137K. I mean, it's out of control, the publicity that's going into this right now. I mean, it's it's as big as the actual game. Like they, tonight on the um, Sunday Night Football Countdown show, before they even show Patrick Mahomes, you know, they're not showing Jackson Mahomes dancing anymore. They're going straight to Taylor Swift. It's bigger than the actual game. It's wild. I love Taylor Swift. I love her around the game of football. It just sucks that it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, come on, go go date Russell Wilson or something and be at a Broncos game. Then I won't care. But the Chiefs, really? Come on. But I mean, what I, I don't hate, I like putting on the tinfoil hat every now and again with a conspiracy. What would Taylor Swift gain from doing this stunt? You know, what, what, unless it's all orchestrated, because I can't imagine there's many, you know, like 45 year old divorced 
dad diehard chief fans that are now picking up uh taylor swift albums and you know considering themselves a swifty i think she just has a really good personality she's funny they were having some modellos or they're probably not drinking modellos they were having a uh a martini one night after travis kelsey had came out publicly and said that he wanted to meet her and it's his celebrity crush and everything and they said hey wouldn't it be funny if you came to the game we won't actually make it official because we're not actually dating. But what if we came to, you came to the game as friends, you sat up in the box with my mom, you became a diehard Chiefs fan and the entire world lost it. And she's like, Oh, that's great. That's great. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't be hard to convince Taylor Swift. Uh, I feel like chicks do this all the time. Like I saw this with some of my friends, all of a sudden these girls decided they were Colorado fans after all the, you know, with the Dion thing and everybody was on the train there and they started buying Colorado gear. I feel like it's kind of easy to get somebody because I don't think Taylor Swift was necessarily a diehard football fan and she's just getting into it. So she's excited about it. Now she's dating the best tight end in NFL history. Um, the one thing is it does give the Bearcats and we need all the, the, the public, you know, the, the good, faith i guess whatever I, I i can't even talk anymore because the Bengals suck so bad um but it is a good little publicity for for the university of cincinnati because uh, travis kelsey is uh is a bearcat so i'll take that as well my tinfoil hat will be on until they either kiss in public a or b one of them comes out and says yes that is my boyfriend slash girlfriend because as of right now it's just speculation right everyone's like oh she's at this game she's wearing a chief's jersey she's with his parents, they have to be dating. That's the assumption. But I don't think he's actually came out or she's actually came out and said, like, yeah, that's my boo thing. I don't think so. Just talk about the football game. That's why I turned it on. But one thing I do love, and you may have not seen this, and if you're listening and haven't seen it and you're not driving, pull it up right now and check it out because it's very cool. The Toy Story game from London. So the Falcons... Shout out Desmond Ritter. He looked terrible against the Jacksonville Jaguars, led by Jacksonville Jesus, Trevor Lawrence. Jags won big. It was essentially like a game of backyard football or NFL blitz or kind of those graphics with the players having giant heads. And it was Toy Story themed. Uh, Slink the dog was actually the chain gang. Brilliant. They had an alien cam being held up by the claw that was used at Pizza Planet in the original Toy Story. I, I was a big fan. I thought it was great. I think the Bengals should be put on that game every single contest this year for the rest of the way to at least give us an entertainment factor because, like you said, um, it's not fun to watch. So the very least we could do is have Joe Burrow running around with Andy scratched on his cleats. It, I mean, it was it's it's cool. The technology is cool. I love when they did the you know when they do the Nickelodeon one too, where they put slime all over the field. That always fires me up. I I, I do love that they like it. Always is like the biggest bullshit game that they put on there like jaguars falcons nobody nobody gives a shit about that and they're like all right what what can we do to get you know viewers on this they're like let's make trevor lawrence buzz Lightyear today technology is insane and it's two things that i feel like don't really clash the nfl is such a you know tough guy sport it's it's essentially gladiators you know it's this generation's gladiators just grown men running around trying to kill each other essentially and then you have Toy Story themed, like one of the most childish Pixar movies out there, which still plays as a 30 year old man, I will say. But can you imagine telling like the rubber helmet guys and the dudes without a face mask back from like the 50s, the Dick Butkuses of the world, the Bart stars like, hey, 
in 75 years, we're going to have Toy Story themed games on ESPN. They're like, what's ESPN? Don't worry about it. What's Toy Story? Don't worry about it. I guess you couldn't really tell them because none of those things existed. But just imagine, you know, them in a time machine coming back to now, the, the players from the 1930s that you see them without shoulder pads and literally leather helmets watching this production today. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine that would go over well. Like the guys that were, you know, literally concussed for like 20 years of their life while they were playing football, smoking cigs on the sidelines. And and now we're doing Pixar themed football. That would just that would rattle their brains beyond comprehension. I would be interested to see a number of viewers because to your point, I don't how many people are tuning in. Like if you're a diehard football fan, like some 45 year old guy out in whatever, you know, in the Midwest, are you really throwing on? I don't know what I would do if I walked into my my house or I was visiting, I guess, and walked into Tim's farm and my dad was just locked and loaded with the Toy Story themed football game on by himself. I would I'd have to see probably need to seek help and send him off to an institution because that would be wild. So I don't, I don't know who's really I mean, maybe little kids is the is the goal to get like a bunch of 10 year olds to jump in. Yeah, genius marketing idea. You have ESPN2 or Disney Plus or whatever, an entity that's not being used in the first place. So you may as well get the young guys hooked onto it. But my question is, is Toy Story even that big for the, you know, the, the seven-year-olds in today's era? They got a million different Pixar movies. Are they are we throwing on the classics still? Are we still playing the hits like Toy Story? I mean, my kids, TBD, are gonna be growing up with Toy Story, no doubt about it. It's probably what the execs did, our, our exact conversation, because they're like 50. They have no fucking – they're like, what the fuck do kids like? Like, Just throw on Toy, – Toy Story was a hit, right? Throw that shit on because they have no idea either. Timeless, baby. Timeless. <laughs> 49ers are absolutely loaded. Christian McCaffrey, a, a four-piece of touchdowns. Um, I would not be shocked if the 49ers went 17-0. and Like, I think they're that good. And we'll see when they play Philadelphia how good they are. But they appear to be absolutely loaded. That's a take. Uh, the Dolphins, the media darlings. I love how every year, sports media, people hop onto a certain team and they latch on and say, this team is, is unreal. And this year's media darlings were the Miami Dolphins. Everyone loved them. They put up 70 on the Broncos last week, and everyone assumed that they're the greatest thing since sliced French bread. And no. What happens? They get pounded. They get doubled up by the Buffalo Bills. Is there anything better than when the entire media just they flock to a certain team and that team just gets their asses kicked and you're sitting here as a non-professional saying, I knew it. I knew the Bills were going to win all along. That's why I hit minus three. Yeah, I mean, uh, they got exposed a little bit. I, I still think the Dolphins are, are a juggernaut. Um, but as many people have said, I just think the colorway that they have, that that turquoise and orange, it's just it's it's a soft color scheme. So I, I don't think anyone can take them seriously. They look too good in their uniforms out there. Just look soft. And they played the, you know, most hard-nosed team, the Buffalo Bills, and got exposed. The 180s on is Mike McDaniel a – football genius to he's a complete idiot that has been going on for the last couple of years has been ridiculous. Like it's just an absolute roller coaster. Like this week they'll be like, well, Mike McDaniel, you know, we're not sure if he's really this guru that we thought he was. And last week they were like, he's the smartest man on planet earth. So I'm interested to see those takes, but uh, you, trust me, they're coming.
Week four of the NFL, let's run through the scores real quick. Lions 34, Packers 20, Jaguars 23, Falcons 7. Rams beat the Colts in overtime after surrendering a massive lead. The final score in that one, LA 29, Indy 23. Ravens 28, the Browns without Deshaun Watson. They had Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He didn't look good. Ravens win 28-3. Vikings 21, Panthers 13. Uh, we'll skip the Titans Bengals score. Buccaneers are looking actually pretty decent with Baker Mayfield. 26 to 9, they hammer the Saints, who I think just suck. And I've thought that about the Saints for a couple of years now. Bills 48, Dolphins 20. Broncos come back and beat the Bears. The Bears absolutely stink. 31 28, the final score in favor of Denver. Eagles 34, Commanders 31. I really like what the Washington Commanders are doing, but they fall in that one to Philly. Uh, Texans 30, Steelers 6, Chargers 24, Raiders 17, 49ers 35, Cardinals 16, and the Cowboys beat the Patriots, who absolutely suck. I mean, Bill Belichick, everyone said, oh, he's a coaching guru. It's not Tom Brady. Draft Mac Jones. Throw whoever you want back there. Jared Stidham, you throw him back there. Bill Belichick's going to find a way to figure it out because he's a guru. Nah, the Patriots suck. They lose 38-3. And then, of course, the Chiefs beat the Jets. Did you see what uh, Ken Griffey Jr. is now doing as his side gig? Uh, you mentioned this to me. You said he's uh, doing, like, photography for baseball? No, not baseball. He he knows better than that. You kidding me? You think he'd be doing baseball? He spent his entire career in baseball. He didn't want to – who wants to shoot a baseball game? That's the worst sport ever to be a photographer for. You literally have to sit in a camera well, and I know this because I've done it when I was in the minor leagues. You set up your sticks in a camera well, and there's about a 1% chance that you're taking a – you know, a screaming line drive to the face and you're not going to have any teeth the next day. So no, he's a, he's a photographer, still photographer. So he's got his big camera that's on the sticks, you know, that looks like a a big pipe basically. And he's uh, shooting NFL games. So Ken Griffey Jr., the man of Moeller and the uh, MLB hall of famer is now trying out something new. I always respect that when a when an athlete, you know, they give up their career and everyone wants to get into broadcasting, they say, no, I'm going to go off the beaten path and try something else. Photographer. Did, yeah, did not have that on my bingo card. I cannot imagine Ken Griffey with the, you know, the sweetest swing in, in MLB history. Like, I just would think he's mentally is like, I'm too cool to just sit here and take pictures and stuff. But it it, it is cool. He's, he's kind of stealing the shtick of uh, Randy Johnson. He's the guy that started that. On the train. <laughs> Are you on the train with riding in a hot air balloon? Couldn't be further from being on the train on this. Completely off. It, why? All it takes is some jackass kid with a BB gun, and I'm quiched. Okay? I don't even know why people do that. I guess it's kind of like romantic if you want to take like your, your girlfriend or wife up there or whatever. I'm I'm way out on hot air balloons. Um, what, what are your thoughts here? I remember riding in a hot air balloon. We went up about 30 feet into the air. It was for some event, like a a camp event when I was back in middle school. I honestly can say, I swear to God, I have not seen a hot air balloon in 20 years. Like where, where the hell are they? I would have thought they were out in like San Fran. I I just kind of assumed there was just about a hundred air hot air balloons that you would see on like a daily basis out there. No, no, no. I, I know they're overseas, you know, like they're huge in Switzerland or whatnot, but Hot air balloons, man. They're dangerous. I would skydive before hopping in a hot air balloon any day of the week. I mean, airplanes are terrifying enough. You're sitting in a tin can looking out that window and watching the wings just shake. But a hot air balloon, literally, you're you're being propelled into the sky by like a little fire, you know? 
It's insane. I mean, it's kind of in the same realm as blimps. I just saw one flying over the stadium like a Goodyear blimp. Imagine if that was your job. They just blow up this gigantic balloon, and then you just kind of get in there, and it goes like a half a mile an hour. How long are those guys up there? Like, what? where do you – I got to apply to be a blimp uh, pilot. Can you imagine that, being at Thanksgiving with uh, Michaela's family, and you're you're sitting there at the dinner table, and they ask – Hudson, Houdini, what do you do for a living? I actually, uh, you know, I drive hot air balloons from November to, or from August to November in hot air balloon season. And then from there I go inside and I drive a, a blimp around um, town. So that, that's what I do. What about you guys? Oh, finance? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a blimp pilot. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a hell of a gig. It's, it's either like, I, I always thought it'd be funny to also like worst jobs to tell your significant other's family that you do. Magician would be tough. Magician and blimp pilot are up there as, as far as two that are real tough to, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a magician. Yeah. Pick a card. They're like, okay, fucking jackass. <laughs> so, seen yeah, this I don't know. Guy before. <laughs> give me the rabbit out of the hat or don't give me anything. Yeah, no, that would be tough. The, the blimp driver. How about this one on the train? Going to a high school game as a 30-year-old with zero ties to that current team. And I bring this up because friends of the program, Drew Schroeder, Kevin Englehart, Luke Landman, they recently went to the pit for an Elder Muller game as 30-year-olds with no ties to anyone on the current team. They probably pre-gamed before it, so they were hammered watching a bunch of 16-year-olds run around tackling each other. Just your overall thoughts on it. Are you on the train? I got no problem with it. Dude, nobody tradition doesn't graduate. I don't know if you know what elders about. People, I mean, that's people's livelihood is just being diehard elder super fans with no kids. If you ever get a chance to watch a game at the pit, you'll see some of the wildest shit you've ever seen from grown men. Uh, but yeah, I'm on the train. I, I haven't really gone to any of it. Um, I did go to a couple basketball games, but I mean, I still know the coach. So yeah, I'll, I'll be on the train. When, when I realized that there were some passionate fans of high school athletics out there, it was actually my my uh, gym teacher in middle school, Rob Hacker. And I went to a Molar St. X game at Nippert Stadium, and I saw Mr. Hacker from afar. He was up top, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go stat. Hold, wait here. Order me a snow cone. Get me a slush puppy. I'm going to go say hi to Mr. Hacker. I walk over, and I'm about to tap him on the shoulder, and he went, you fucking blind. That's the worst call I've ever seen. His face was all red. I was like, I'm not going to talk to Mr. Hacker today. Is that is that uncalled for? Are you on the train with that? Once you turn 50, if you have no kids and you're still going to high school games, are you on the train with that? Or does tradition truly never graduate? Listen, I, when I say I'm on the train, that doesn't mean that I am necessarily doing this. Okay. But those are the type of guys that make high school sports what it is. It makes it like when you're playing, you know, at, at elder, it legitimately feels like you're suiting up for like an NFL team on a Friday night because the fans and it's a lot of 50 year olds with no kids. There's legit guys that are 50 back in the day that were on Yappy and discussing like a 15 year old, his potential that's playing like uh, on JV at that time. They're like, I've heard good things out of like Jason Degrassi. I've, I've heard that he's got the talent level, blah, blah, blah. So these guys, they probably don't have a whole lot going on. Okay. But they love, they love the Panthers and they love high school football and they live for it. So let these guys live. It's, um, it can be a little sick and twisted sometimes when you really get down to it. But uh, 
for the most part, I'm, I'm in with it. Yeah, especially when the quarterback's 16 years old. This guy sucks. Get him out of the game. He can't even drive. He got dropped off by his, his mother, Darlene. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me, guy? They're um, like egging a 16-year-old's house after a game. Very special guest on the chatter today. It's Mark Doner. A bunch of titles we can give him, but let's just start with the fact that he's an Ohio University guy. So three Bobcats right now in this little stream yard. We had Evan Romanski on a couple of weeks ago. He talked about his transition from the, the journalism school at Ohio U out to Hollywood. Donor did the same video creation, acting, uh, singing songs, probably dances too. does a little bit of everything. It's Mark Donor, ladies and gentlemen. What's going Thanks on? Thanks for having How me on. Doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm at my parents' house in Ohio visiting the family, you know, just playing golf, living life. Let's let's go back to the beginning. I want to hit this thing chronologically because I think you have a very yeah. interesting story and a story that can help some people out with, you know, a, a bunch of different things. One being perseverance. This has nothing to do with perseverance. This has to do with a little bit of luck, I guess. Um, the, the fact that when you were a young reporter at WUB trying to be a sports guy like myself, that was mm -hmm. your original love. You wanted to be the next yeah. Scott Van Pelt. And you discovered a young athlete by the name of Joe Burrow. I think you may have been one of the first people on this planet, not from Athens, Ohio, to know who Joe Burrow was. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I wouldn't say I discovered him, but when I first went to Ohio University uh, as a freshman, I wanted to be a reporter, but they had all these rules of like seniority. So as a freshman, you're like, oh, you got to work your way up to get on air. So I was like, oh, what can I do to get involved? And they're like, well, we need some more tech guys. We need people to be behind the camera. So I was like, all right, cool. Let me do it. Um, so they put me in the TVC Ohio, which was the Athens football team. That was their league down in Ohio. Um, and I just filmed Joe Burrow, Athens, just crushing everyone every single week. The dude would throw like seven touchdowns and 500 yards. It was insane. I wish I had some of the footage still. I'm sure I could probably make some bucks off of it. <laughs> One thing you do have, yeah, and I saw him play some basketball games. He played uh, against Akron St. Vincent St. Mary one year when I covered him. And he was a pretty good basketball player, too. I mean, probably could have played D2 with, with Houdini had they both decided to go that route. Uh, let's talk about catching your first break, man, because one thing you did, I believe it was junior year, correct me if I'm wrong, your dad got you a camera for Christmas, and you guys split it. Obviously, you used it a little more than he did um, yeah. then and now. You got into the content creation game, and one of your big breaks was Ohio University Fest videos, where you went out there and filmed some of the biggest jackasses on campus. Um, yep. I was not there. I digress. I may or may not have been there. We can talk about that. But um, just take me through that time of your life. Well, at the time, you know, I wanted to be on TV. And at the time, I was watching a lot of YouTubers. I was watching Devin Supertramp. This was around the time where Casey Neistat started daily vlogging. And basically, what I would do all day is go to school and then. I would work at the WOEB sports reporting and then I'd go home and my roommates would play video games and drink beer. And I would just sit in my room and watch YouTube videos. And we went to the number one party school at the time, I think by Playboy, it was ranked. And there was this really popular thing called I'm Schmacked. Basically, these guys went around to colleges, they filmed party videos. And I was like, well, they're not here for these fests. Let me just do that because that's the only thing I knew at that time. So, if you're not familiar with Ohio University, there's a fest season and basically there's a street fest leading up to this number fest. So we had like High Fest, Mill Fest, Palmer Fest, Palmer Place Fest, and then the number fest. So I was like, let me just make a video of this fest of all these, you know, the number one party school partying. I posted Don't forget it. about Mill Iron Fest. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. I posted the video and to me it went viral. Like at our I had zero subscribers. I just made this video. I think on it was a Friday or Saturday. I edited it. I posted it on a Wednesday. Had like 40 or 50,000 views. And I was like, this is crazy, dude. I gotta do the next one. So then I post the next one, which was High Fest. And then that got picked up by like Bro Bible or some like publication posted it. And like people at Ohio State were watching it. That one did like 75,000 views. And I was like, this is nuts. I got to make another one. So then I filmed the next one, Palmer Fest. And that one didn't do as well. Um, but then the Number Fest one I did. And I think just by making those three videos, I got, I hit up the fest and I was like, hey, can I get backstage access? I got to film like Vic Mensa and Carnage and Wiz Khalifa. And that one did pretty well as well. And then the next year, I was like, dude, because after those uh, four videos, I never made a video because I was like, I don't know what to make a video about because we don't have any parties anymore. So the next year, I was like, I'm going all in on this. I rented a donkey. I like set up this whole thing like Devin Supertramp. I'm like, we're going to have this crazy intro where this guy goes on a longboard down the hill and he dives down a sipping side with like people pouring beer on him. And then he's going to chug from this big bottle of Belvedere that I bought. Um, well, I bought it. It was like a display bottle, but I filled it with Kamchaka because I was like, I'm not going to spend $400 on filling this bottle up. Anyways, put so much. I mean, after like two minutes making that video, the cops were like, you need to pour that whole bottle out. And I was like, what the hell? Like, they're like, it's open container or I'm going to arrest you. So I had to pour out this like one point or I can't even remember how big it was. It was like this big. Had to like pour all of it out. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. Had to pour all of it out. I rented a donkey. Um, I was like, this video is going to go viral. And it just tanked. And I was so pissed because as a broke college kid, I put like $180 into this video and it just tanked. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um let's talk about one kind of a, a scenario that was botched as well that I recall. So I, if if you remember the hot tub apartments on yes. uh, North Congress, so I actually <clears throat> lived in one. And for people that don't know, we had a hot tub in our living room, literally. So naturally, I think you were like, "This is great to add in from a content oh, yeah. perspective." And you were probably thinking, like, you know, we get a bunch of hot chicks in this. You know, everyone's drinking <laughs> and partying. And I come back one time. And I, all these lights were set up and mics and shit. And, and I was like, we're setting up a porno. I was like, all right, they're <laughs> doing a porno here. And it turns out it ended up just being Chuck with like goggles on and a bunch of suds in the hot tub. So we ended up nixing the whole thing. Um, but I guess the, the, the question is, what was what was the vision for the hot tub? And I guess I apologize personally that we couldn't get any chicks involved. I honestly don't remember. Now that you're bringing that up, I do vaguely remember it. But. I think Chuck probably said like, yo, I got these hot tub apartments. Come I'll over tell you exactly what happened. I'll tell you exactly what happened. We had these. Uh, yeah, we had the hot tub in the living room. And Which is pretty I cool said, as a college kid. I said, it yeah, is. 2 a.m. when the bars close, we'll have an after hours here. We'll get like 10 people over. We'll be diving into the hot tubs. It'll be wonderful. And it was good content. I mean, that's the thing. He probably has it somewhere. And it's gold content. We're diving off couches into a hot tub. It's like carnage. But there were no ladies there. So he he yeah. nicked, he has the footage somewhere and he nixed it. Also, the footage uh, of me when I went in my mooning phase and was running around all the fest mooning his camera. Uh, he probably has that somewhere. And uh, let's let's keep that one on the DL. Maybe I could send it to you. I think I do have the hard drive back in Los Angeles. So when I first started noticing some of your content was, and it looks like you've kind of strayed away from it completely, at least recently, um, mm -hmm. as far as Instagram is concerned, you were doing a bunch of like couples 
Instagram, like, you know, if your girlfriend asks you to do the dishes or something like that. Yeah. And you got a lot of traction based on, I mean, just the the commentary. It, was that something that was that like an intentional kind of marketing play on your part to get like it, it seemed like the younger crowd associated with it quite a bit. And you started to grow the followers there. And then it looks like you kind of veered off of that particular path. But I'm just curious on that. Well, at the time, I was just, you know, for those of the people that don't know, I I went to Ohio University. I met Logan Paul there and I started working with him because we were kind of the only two guys on campus making videos. So I reached out to him. I said, hey, yo, let me shoot some of your videos like this is what I want to do. I love YouTube. You were doing Vine at the time. So we connected back in Cleveland. He moved out to Los Angeles and then flew me out to be his full time video uh, creator and editor. And he just started getting busy with other stuff. And I was filming all of his skits and helping him with that. You know, I just had a lot of free time on my hands and I was at this place, 1600 Vine. It's like infamous now. But every creator that was big or someone lived in this place. You know, down the hall, you had King Batch, you had Amanda Cerny, you had Christian Del Grosso, Anwar, FouseyTube, Lance210, Rudy Mancuso. The whole 16, the whole the Viner crew was living there. And every day it was just wake up, create vines, collab, make vines, 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 vines. And then it got to a point where I was just making vines for other people. And I was sitting around, you know, doing nothing when Logan was busy. So I was like, why don't I do this? So what I started to do is I, I started to tell people, hey, can you tag me? Because I shot your video. Just put filmed by like whatever that film emoji Mark Donor. And I realized that I wasn't really growing. So then what I started to leverage was like, hey, I'll film this video for you and edit it if you'll be in a video for me. So I would go over to Amanda Cerny's. I'd film her video. I'd edit it for her. I'd send it off to her. But while I was over there, I'd shoot a video with her because it helped me out having these big names in my thing. But a lot of people get the mistake. They think I started on Vine. I made like a couple Vines, but at the time, Instagram introduced 60-second videos. And this was kind of my opportunity. And looking back on it now, I didn't realize it. But when a platform introduces a new feature, if you attack that feature, they're going to push you, push you, push you. And this was kind of the first time a platform had done that. So when I you know, was making these 60-second videos, all my, you know, Rudy Mancuso in the gym one day was like, dude, like I only had like, you know, 20,000, 30,000 followers. He's like, dude, your videos are going crazy. Like, what is it that you're doing? And I was like, I don't know, dude. Like I'm every video I post is just getting millions and millions of views. But it turns out, you know, algorithmically I was getting pushed because I was attacking that new feature. It was going on everybody's explore page. And basically my concept was a lot of my videos involve no talking. And what I learned through that and watching these other creators is it's universal, right? If you could tell something visually, someone that doesn't speak English can still understand what's happening through your video. So what I would do is get a catchy, popular song, put these, you know, I call it internet acting. We would just, you know, over-exaggerate these things. And then, yeah, it would just pop off on Facebook. It would pop off on Instagram. Um, but I, I strayed away from it just as I'm, you know, matured and got older. And I was like, yeah, I did this for a while. It's kind of time to move on to the next thing. And that introduced vlogging. So before we get into vlogging, and this may have been around the same time, one of the videos that went viral was you and Logan Paul dabbing at every single United States event. So they showed, you know, on the NBC yeah. broadcast, they showed you guys at the sand volleyball game, hitting the dab. They showed you at the basketball game, hitting the dab, everything, swimming dabbing. And one of my favorites is yeah. during a national anthem during one of these events, slowly in the background. Just a very subtle, you know, like yep. with hand over the heart, quick little dab. 
Uh, first of all, congrats on getting the great seats and walk me through that entire situation. Well, yeah, I think, you know, we just started to go to every event. And I think we got on TV like one or two times or we got on TV once and we're like, oh, let's dab. And then we're like, oh, let's try to get on at every event we go to. Let's just be maniacs and like fight for the camera and just be completely obnoxious because, you know, there weren't like a lot of America fans at certain events. So we just started go like finding the camera essentially and, and being totally obnoxious the whole time. So they would be forced to put the camera on us. And I'm calling Logan out because I invented the double dab. I was doing this during that, right? We were supposed to make another video, the double dab, and he stole my idea and did it with Kevin Hart in Hawaii. And I'm pissed about it because uh, that was me. You could have brought me into the fold, Mark. That would have been our big moment. You, you could have said, hey, get out of the sports casting world. Let's double dab all across the United States and we'll, we'll make a name for ourselves. Well, yeah, because on the plane ride to Hawaii, we were supposed to come up with a video idea for Kevin Hart. And he's like, we didn't have anything. He's like, I think I'm going to do the double dab with Kevin Hart. And I was like, oh, devastated. That's my thing. But uh, his idea, actually, and I think the one you mentioned was during the national anthem. I didn't want to do it because it was the freaking national anthem. But we were just placed perfectly behind those flags. And he's like, all right, when they when they bring up these flags, we got to just hit a nice it looks like it's in slow motion because we did it so like respectfully yeah um but yeah he's like we got to do it and i'm like i don't want to do it bro it's so disrespectful he's like dude trust me just do it so then we did it and then the video got like i can't even remember like 60 million views on facebook and then i think the olympics claimed it and took it down yeah it's it's tough to find but you could still find it on youtube so search yeah. i guess logan paul mark donor dab and uh it's it's pretty it's pretty comical yeah it's pretty funny it was a good time, though. I mean, that was my first time to Brazil. And uh, Brazil was like a really eye-opening country. And I'm really thankful for that trip and thankful that Logan got the opportunity to go there and he brought me along. Yeah, you had a better time there than Ryan Lochte. All right, Houdini? <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. Still bad blood uh, for Logan Paul stealing the double dab from Donor. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to sort that out. Um, but you were kind of talking about this earlier you guys do so much it, people in the content game it's you know it's facebook youtube it's it's instagram um and it's sometimes it's hard to keep track of what all all the content that's coming out because you guys are just content machines um yeah. but what i didn't know on your end and a lot of uh, a lot of those creators do this too is i checked out your spotify page actually and you got a couple of bangers in there i was just listening to yeah. one track called threesome and this thing's oh, got yeah. it's got millions of millions of streams. Well, I really want you, but I really want your friend too. Oh, is there nothing I can do for the both of you? Yeah, yeah, maybe we could have a threesome. Just us, you, me, and your best friend. Let's fuck, no strings in the king size. Tied up, no tears if we all make one love. Um, I'm yeah. just curious just as far as is that something you're still pursuing or is that just kind of a kind of a background hobby like when you just think of a, a banger like threesome you just got to get in the studio or how does that work for you so you know the only reason i started doing music i played piano growing up and i'm you know that's one of my biggest regrets in life is stopping piano i think i played in fifth grade and i just the reason i stopped was because my teacher was teaching me all this classical stuff and i just wanted to learn like the pop songs that were on the radio and she wasn't willing to teach me those so i stopped um but later on in life you know, I started vlogging, I grew my platform and, you know, Logan and Jake started to release these diss tracks on each other. And I was like, what if I 
you know, just make a, a, a real song and then shock everyone because they're going to think I'm making this diss track or it's a funny track. So I came out with a song called Does Your Mama Know? And everyone was like, what the hell? Like, I didn't know you could sing. Like, where is this coming from? Um, shout out to Life of Dylan, these two guys. They helped me with the song. So we wrote that and I kind of just never did music again. And then the pandemic hit, I believe. And I was just like, you know, I couldn't really vlog much. I couldn't go out because, you know, I would go out and vlog and I was getting clapped in the comments saying like, oh, you're being so disrespectful. There's a pandemic going on. Like you need to stay inside. So I just felt this guilt of like, I don't know. I don't want to get into the political side of things, but <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I, I got in the studio. <clears throat> I wrote a few songs and that threesome song, actually, um, I was laying down another song I wrote, No Love in L.A., and I was with a writer. His name's Parker. And I told him I had this idea. I'm like, hey, man, you know, I'm going through this situation right now. I want to write a song about it. And basically it was I was talking to this one girl and I was like, you know, hanging out with this girl. And then she introduced me to her friend. And I was like, oh, shit, like. I vibe with your friend way more than I vibe with you. So how do I navigate telling you that I'm not into you anymore, but I'm into your friend. So that was kind of the basis of the idea. And while I was laying down the track, no love in LA, he was like, you know, I came up with this like funny idea. What do you think of this? He's like, you know, threesome. And I was like, Oh, that's hilarious. Let's do it. So we wrote the song. And then the guy that actually set me up with the session, you know, I, I asked him, what he thought of all the songs. And I was like, what do you think of threesome? He's like, you know, like, uh, it's not a serious song. It's not, it's not going to do well. No one's going to take you serious if you release this song. And I, you know, I remember after that studio session, I played all the songs to my friends and the only one they kept singing was threesome. So I was like, okay, we have something here. And then just through, you know, TikTok marketing, I was able to get it to blow up. I created a trend. Well, I'm not even going to say I created a trend because there was already a trend with this song, like, I want a three-way, like the Backstreet Boys oh, thing. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to replicate this exact trend with my new song. I'm going to get a few of my friends to do the same exact trend. They all went viral. And then next thing you know, you know, random people are making the trend. And then one of them blew up on Instagram. That's actually when my song took off because someone made one. And then a meme page reposted it on Instagram. And that shit went viral. Like these 10 million, you know, meme pages uh, were posting this thing. And I was like, because I, I can't remember what I was doing at the time. I think I was out golfing, actually. And I'm like checking my streams and it's just blowing up. I'm like, oh, my God, this is fucking crazy. It was getting like hundreds of thousands of streams in like 24 hours. And uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, to get back to your question, I'm, I'm still making music. Just the process of creating music to me isn't as enjoyable because there's less control. There's more moving parts. For example, I could film a, a YouTube video today and have it out tomorrow. I could go to the studio and make a song, but then I got to wait on the producer. I got to get a mix and then I got to go send it to a mixing engineer and then a mastering engineer. And then you got to do the cover art and then you have to upload it to Spotify like a month in advance so that you can maybe get on new music Friday. So like from start to finish, a song can take six months to get out. Whereas a YouTube video can take 12 hours. One of the things that's always impressed me about you going back to, I was a year older than you in college. We graduated the same time um, because he got his schoolwork done very quickly. And 
One of the things that always impressed me is you were just a Gruden grinder, as we like to say yeah. in the sports industry, like nonstop. You you loved going to surgery on your computer, uh, editing VOs and shots, and whether you're in the content, whether it was sports back in the day, you were a really good shooter. You actually helped me put together my first reel and get me a job. I think I traded that for maybe like a bottle of vodka. I think for one of those parties, I may have chipped in for all that Kachatka for the Belvedere. I think I drove you there is what it was. You wanted my car, yeah, yeah. but um, <laughs> dude, it's a grind and, and you're yeah. working your ass off in it. But with that grind, comes hardships. I've seen it in TV times where, you know, you go through not the writer's block, but the creator's block and stuff's not coming as easily, or it's not popping like it once was, or your audience is changing or you're just changing. I mean, you're getting older, you know, things that were funny to you at 24, you may not want to do it at 28 or 29. Take me through some of the hardships that come with this career. Uh, you know, there is a lot of ups and downs. And I think the hardest thing really is transitioning from one thing to another, right? Like one thing is hot at one time and then it's not hot anymore. For example, the skits, they were popping, but then everybody started to redirect their attention to vlogs. So I'm like, all right, got to hop on this vlog train. So then I attacked the vlog and then the vlog started to die off a little bit. And it's like, all right, what's everybody doing now? They're doing podcasts. Okay. Then I started a podcast and I still was making the vlogs and I still had a Facebook show. And then I was like doing music. And then nowadays it's like, all right, everybody's on TikTok, everybody's on YouTube shorts. And it's really a matter of adapting. And, and in the case with me, I think it's just a little overwhelming, right? Like I used to get away with posting maybe two to three skits a week. Then it was daily vlogs I have to post. And then now on TikTok, it's like, bro, you need to post like five TikToks a day. And when you film your life every single day for two years straight, you kind of start to run out of ideas. You're like, dude, how, how many times can I film myself going to the gym? How many times can I film myself eating food? How many times can I do this, that, and the other? And at some point, it drives you fucking nuts. You know what I mean? Like, you look at someone like Mr. Beast. He's got a whole, you know, team coming up with ideas. That guy's wild, man. He is ridiculous. Yeah. But at some point, it's like, what more can you do? You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of the hardships come with that. I think a, a lot of the hardships come with, well, yeah, if you don't transition, then um, it's definitely going to be a struggle. And it has for me. And I think, you know, you know, I worked really fucking hard for several years straight. And I'm thankful enough to, you know, I've gotten the brand deals I've gotten and the partnerships that I've gotten to be good financially. But I'm at a point now where I'm like, all right, what's next for me? You know, like, as you said, like when I was, you know, in my early 20s, it, it was a lot of suggestive content. And, oh, this is funny. And, and now that I'm 29, it's like, yeah, I don't really want to do that anymore, man. I don't want to make these weird facial expressions for 14 year olds to laugh. Like I'm 29 years old. I don't want to act like a kid anymore. Uh, one of the things that really impressed me but at the same time I, I felt like you definitely had to navigate through the murky waters with was i mean like you said you, you vlogged for two years you never got a day off i was with you at coachella and i mean it's awesome you're walking around you're you're bat or you're vip uh you're introducing me to gez i'm like oh this is pretty cool i can get used to this but at the same time you had that camera on you you know we're drinking tequila red bulls so we are leisuring somewhat but every once in a while you're, you're like give me 20 seconds here 
and, and someone would have on these shoes and what are those, you know, and you had to go out with your camera and then you'd yeah. snap back into reality. You know, you kind of have to go into character. Like how difficult is that um, every single day to do? It's hard because especially when you're going through a relationship and you project this positivity, which I did. And, you know, you'd be in an argument with your girlfriend and you're like, well, I got to film. Like I got to get this video out tomorrow. So it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's a performance, right? Like you got to always be on, but you've, you saw it, right? Like I could be normal and hang out, but then I'm like, when that camera's on, I'm going, I'm full go. And the more you do it, I guess the easier it gets. For example, when I first started vlogging, it would be an all day occurrence. Like, oh, today's the whole vlog. But once you start to get the hang of it and realize like what you need to do and start editing the video in your head as you're making it, it becomes a little bit easier where you can go hang out for 45 minutes and then do like a 10 minute spurt of content. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you feel like sometimes when you're, cause you, like you said, you're filming like almost everyday life, right? And it kind of leads me to, you know, it's almost like when you're filming somebody or a party and you s slowly move the camera around, everybody's acting normal. And then they start chugging like Kamchaka or start ripping shots. Do you ever yeah. feel like you're kind of living? It's almost like you have your your on camera personality and it's almost kind of two separate people. I mean, obviously, it's still you, but I'm, I'm assuming a little exaggerated things like that. Is that something that, that you feel is true? Yeah, I think, I mean, when the camera's rolling, it's like, you know what it is. It's a performance, whether it's my camera or someone else's camera. But, you know, right. when a lot of people meet me, actually, they always say like, wow, I actually like the you version of you, not the on-camera <laughs> version. You're way cooler. You're way more chill. And they're like, I was not expecting you to be like this. I was expecting you to be like, ah, you know, like you are on camera. <laughs> but like, in, in to a degree, it's acting. You know what I mean? I might actually need to take some notes on this next segment as far as your golf page that you're um, working with. Cause I can't, I can't hit a fucking ball. So I would love to hear what you're doing with the golf page and um, how people can follow along. Yeah. So I decided to niche down really. I think I saw, you know, going through TikTok so much, I find that the new content creator is very niche based and it's really hard to do something so broad. So I decided to niche down and focus on, you know, one of my hobbies, which is golf. And it's a really popular topic right now. You know, you got Good Good, you got Bob Does Sports, you got GM Golf, uh, Busta Jack, all these really good creators. And basically, they just go out and play golf and have a good time. And people enjoy watching it just as much as people enjoy listening to podcasts. There's a niche for everything. And kind of what inspired me was I was on TikTok and there's this guy. He works at a pizza shop. And while he's doing his normal job, he's Jelly slices. TikToks. I, I can't remember his name. Uh, you want a corner or a side? Let's bless this pizza. I'm pretty sure it's Sally Slices. It's the best. We were actually going to get know. him on the show. So, Sally, if you're listening, um, <laughs> still waiting for that invite to be uh, hit up. But, yeah, you're talking about but, Sally Slices for sure. Yeah. So I realized, like, oh, you know, people really enjoy seeing people do normal things. What's something that I enjoy doing that other people enjoy doing? Uh, and that's golf. And I think – you know, just through my skill set of making vlogs and editing for so many years that as I started vlogging, you know, you take little bits and pieces from each, you know, vlogger that you like and you put those whatever five people into you and then that's you. So that's what I'm doing with golf. I'm, you know, taking one bit from him, one bit from him, one bit from him that I like and then creating that into my own channel. And then, you know, I think I can 
do really well if I, you know, put my head down and, and focus on it. So I'm excited for it. I'm a little worried about like the winter time, how a golf channel would do because it's seasonal. Um, but yeah, I'm just, that's basically why I'm in Ohio right now. I'm filming a bunch of golf content. It's just easier here than it is in Los Angeles. For sure. And I'm kind of stocking it up to get those out. I always wonder if looking back on your days as a sports broadcaster, if, if one, you miss it at all. And I guess you didn't really do it long enough to, to get the everyday grind of it. But was there any sort of a, uh, a regret of not going into that space? But I, I doubt there is considering how successful you've been and what sports casting has become. With that being said, had Mark Donor stayed in television, what TV market would he be in right now? I would definitely be in the Pat McAfee lane. I think I would start my own thing and be able to say whatever I want. I think that was the big thing that I hated about journalism, right? Like the reason I got out of journalism was because in school we were being taught how to lead a newscast and it was all violence based. It was, you know, you lead this, the newscast with burglary, murder, fire, and you tease that at the beginning and then you put it at the end so that people stick around for the whole entire newscast. And I was like, this sucks, dude. Like, I fucking hate the news. If you watch the news right now, there is nothing positive about it. They're just instilling fear in every single person. And, you know, they sit here and they're like, you know, we should ban TikTok. It's it's uh, really badly influencing the youth. Well, why don't you ban the fucking news? Because what we were taught in school is sensationalism and all this shit. You're not allowed to lie in the news, but people sit here and lie in the news all the time. And there's no consequences anymore. You the fact that you can go to a news station and you know CNN is Democrat and you know Fox is Republican, that shouldn't be the case. It should just be fucking news. Why are they giving their opinion, bro? Just report the facts. It's it's stupid. So I think that I would be in the Pat McAfee lane if I stuck with sports broadcasts. Um, you know, moving to Los Angeles actually made me, and, and obviously focus on videos, I didn't get to watch many sports because... I didn't want to watch, you know, college football at 9 a.m. on a Saturday or the NFL at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. It just wasn't convenient for me. So I didn't really I'm not really into sports unless I'm in Ohio because there's nothing else to do here. <laughs> I love that band. The fucking news. Let's make the T-shirts, man. And you see how fired I, up I get about it, bro? I fucking hate the yeah. news. <laughs> hey, do you hate do you hate local sportscasters? Do you have an issue with local sportscasters? I guess he sure does. Former local sportscasters. No. no, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, no but how could you? I mean, how could you, dude? It's crazy, man. It's it, and I, I say this to my dad too. It's like because older people say that the younger people are ruining the world, and they go, "You're this young, you know, this young generation. You guys are." You're ruining this America, blah, blah, blah. Who the fuck's in charge? Your generation, bro. You guys are ruining America. <laughs> they raised us, too. I'm like, you're the ones yeah. that put a cell phone in a 12-year-old's hand. Like, it, yeah, you right? have it's all the power there, buddy. So, shout out Tim Clowkey, my dad. It's it's not us, <laughs> it's you. That shit gets me fired up. <laughs> you got anything else, Hudson? No, I, I do want to point out that he just reiterated what I told you the other day about how in California, the reason they don't give a shit about sports is because they got other shit to do. And you told me that's bullshit. He just repeated exactly what I said. They got the beach. They got hacky sack. 
They got chicks. They got it all, dude. They do okay. care about sports. though. that's the thing. Like the Dodgers, the Lakers, they're getting big time crowds. Yeah. I think it's more so there's just so many people there. There's so many transplants. I think people care about sports. They just care about their teams. Like donors, a yeah. Browns fan. I'm sure you, you get up for the Browns here and there. No. Sometimes I'll meet up with my buddies, Lucas and Jimmer. We'll go to a bar and watch the Browns. There's like one Browns bar in Hollywood, but yeah, as much like it's the transplant thing, right? You can go to a Chargers game right. against the Steelers and the whole fucking crowd is Pittsburgh Steelers fans. They're like, there's these new NFL teams in Los Angeles, but they don't have fans because everyone from LA lives is from somewhere else. You know what I mean? You like Hollywood, right? No, not anymore. I actually think this is my last year there. Okay. So you, I just you, think I've, I've outgrown it. Uh, what used to be cool to me is no longer cool. I don't want to go to the club anymore. You know, once something becomes your home, you know, it's like, like when I come back to my hometown, you're like, oh, there's nothing to do. Well, I've lived in LA for eight years. So to me, there's nothing to do. I've done everything. Um, and just, you know, really the energy in Los Angeles post pandemic has just been terrible. I mean, you look at San Francisco, they're like breaking in to cars and smash and grabs and so much crime going on. Like you could just do whatever you want there anymore. And no one even cares. Hey, that sounds like an Ohio guy that's getting ready to potentially come back to his roots or maybe like South Carolina. Or are you a Texas guy? Like where, where, where in the world's Mark donor going next? I was thinking Florida just so I could golf year round for the golf okay. channel. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Find a nice little nook in uh, Florida. Good content some- Florida. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey man, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's end with the uh, the algorithm update because we've been talking about it a lot lately, how the algorithm just pumps things to you that it thinks you like, depending on, I don't even know how they get their cookies sometimes. Like I get it. They toss me Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad more than anything. They toss me the food videos. I do consider myself a chef in the making, but this one is interesting. I am now getting nonstop every single time I open my phone on YouTube. It's an 80-year-old man that makes milkshakes, and he's the, he's the most wholesome human being in the world. And he goes, this is – it's time for Milkshake Monday. Here's how you make a chocolate milkshake. And I legit spend about 45 minutes of my week watching this 80-year-old make milkshakes. And, and here I am devoting my whole professional career to creating content. And you know, if I'm lucky, I get a video that gets like 20,000 views. And this guy's getting like 500,000 to a million every single video for making a freaking chocolate milkshake. I don't get it. Well, dude, it plays. If you're like a six-year-old and making milkshakes and have your own channel, you'll get a shitload of views. If you're like 95 and doing it, you get a ton of views. That's how it works. 30-year-old man. Chuck, it's not going to get the views. If you're making milkshakes, you'd get, you'd probably get maybe 15 views. But this old guy is probably, I, I got a similar thing where, shout out to this guy. He's not really that old, but it's, he has an Instagram and it keeps popping up my Discover page. It's called like the history of sandwiches. And he just makes a sandwich from like historic, it'll be like the sardine and mayo sandwich from 1874. And then I'll just make it and it'll just be like rate it one out of 10. And he gets hundreds of thousands of views on these. So maybe we're thinking too hard. We need to dial it back and just do like the most basic thing of all time to get views. I think we are, man. I was putting out videos of, you know, the the Golden State Warriors and hashtagging Steph Curry and NBA and all this stuff. And they were getting a couple thousand views, whatever it may be. And then six months prior to that, with less followers, I was putting out serial reviews 
of me eating like cinnamon toast crunch and cocoa pebbles and Reese's puffs. And they were getting just as many views as the stuff that was going on TV. So that makes me wonder, you know, maybe eating cereal is more lucrative than covering the Golden State Warriors. So I think we learned something on the podcast day. Stick to a niche, folks. People are dumb. It's that simple. People are dumb and and, and we're very dumb ourselves. Keep it dumb. Keep it simple. People will come. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have yourself a great Monday and a fantastic rest of the week. Go crush it. Go grab life by the horns. And remember the 5-5 five, five rule. I'm going to end this with a little Monday motivation. Oh, if God. something is not going to matter in five years, don't spend five minutes getting anxious about it. Go out there and attack your day, folks, and get yourself some Long John Silvers. <laughs>